your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Allen drops it off behind him to McGowan's. McGowan's across the timeline. Shakes, bakes, drives, puts it up. No, kicks it. Webster, three ball. Got it! Holy cow, Nebraska's come from behind and has taken the lead on a three ball by Kobe Webster and a timeout on the floor. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. First time we've been with you this week after Husker basketball last night. How about that? Husker basketball back on the court after missing nearly a month of time because of COVID issues. And you're going to hear a lot of Husker hoops in the coming weeks. In fact, they're back on the court tomorrow night and then again on Friday. Then again on Sunday, it is going to come fast and furious for the Huskers, but great to have them back. Great to be back with you here tonight. We have a full three hours, but you only have to put up with Ben and myself for the first 60 minutes because we're going to hand it off to the Husker Volleyball Show with head coach John Cook and Lauren Cook-West will be the host for that hour. And then it's our women's basketball show for the week with Amy Williams and Matt Cotney. The women had a tough trip back east, dropping games to Penn State and Rutgers over the weekend. That was a, that was not a good trip. They needed to try to at least get a split on that one. So they'll try to regroup and get after Iowa in their next game on Thursday, which will also shorten Sports Alley on Thursday night because it's a seven o'clock tip at PBA. That game was originally scheduled for tomorrow, but because the men needed the gym, the women get bumped back a day. Uh, so all this scheduling is just getting. It's uh, like a crazy puzzle right now trying to piece it all together. But, Ben, it, it was really good to see the Huskers be able to assemble a team and get back on the court. And I thought Saturday when they battled Michigan State, they lost by 10, but I thought they played really hard. But you, you knew it was going to be rusty, and that's kind of what we got was just a really rusty performance out of them. The effort was there, just the execution was not. Yeah, and you knew the offense was probably going to struggle. It wasn't at a, in a great place when the hiatus began as it is, and so it's hard to imagine they were going to come out of the gate after nearly a month off and just start lighting it up, and, th- and that's pretty much what happened. Um, you know, that game, Michigan State just, you know, they kept kind of extending their lead. Nebraska would throw a little flurry, but – I mean, I'm sure we'll, we'll even talk about last night's game, too. That That's the biggest thing right now with this team, Greg, is it seems like the only offense this team gets are those small little flurries of points. There's no consistency to the scoring offensively for this team, and that leads to the big droughts, that leads to the big deficits, and that leads to situations like, I know we're jumping the gun here, but last night when you know, you're having to play perfect for stretches of seven, eight, nine, ten minutes, in order to come back and your margin for error is zero, one mistake and, and all the progress that you made is erased. So that's the biggest thing right now with this team is just finding consistent offense and finding ways to score the basketball other than Trey McGowan slashing through the lane and either getting to the foul line, finishing, or kicking out to somebody else. Uh, they've got to find ways to score the ball at a more consistent rate. And I know as an offensive mind and Fred Hoiberg, it's probably just driving him crazy uh, that it's not the case being, um, you know, what he's said about the team that he has with Banton being able to run the point at 6'8", with Mayen, who's supposed to be that knockdown three-point shooter with a pure scorer in Teddy Allen and an improved uh, Ivan down low. Unfortunately, Greg, none of those things have manifested into what we thought they would be you would even have settled for maybe two for four or maybe at this point one for four, but we're sitting at 0 for four right now on all those areas. And, and that's, that's the reason why they're, they're having trouble scoring the ball. You alluded to last night. They, they did not come home after the Michigan state game. They flew right to Minneapolis. And the story last night was no Teddy Allen Uh, for disciplinary reasons, sat the game. It appears that it's only going to be a one game deal. Uh, Coach Hoiberg alluded to that last night in postgame that he would more than likely be back to play tomorrow when they play the Badgers. So you take him out of the lineup, and, and all of a sudden you, you need to find offense other places because he's your leading scorer. He's one of the best scorers in the conference. You don't have him. 
and the result was a 61-point output where they lose by 18 to a team that went ice cold for a long stretch of the second half and didn't have two of their starters for a good chunk of the game. I'm talking about Minnesota because of foul trouble. So disappointing last night on a number of accounts. You couldn't take advantage of, of the Gophers having some issues with uh, some of their starters getting in foul trouble and then just going ice cold for five or six minutes. You couldn't take advantage. I, I thought they Again, I thought they played hard. I don't think it's a matter of effort. I think this team's giving effort. So I, I like that. I mean, I don't think you can feel like they've quit or they're not trying hard. I think they are. It's just it's just not coming together. What do you make of Teddy? Out we, we last year we there were some suspensions to guys like Cam Mack and Gervais Green that were held out of games. Um, is this is this uh, something to be worried about? Do you think with Teddy moving forward? Well, I think it's definitely something you're paying attention to. I and again, I don't know that we expected Teddy Allen, given his past, um, for it to just be flipped and him to just be you know completely on the straight and narrow or, or, or however you want to phrase it. I, I do feel like this was always going to be a bit of a process with Teddy to what it's like playing in a structured environment uh, with a lot of discipline, with a guy under, you know, Fred Hoiberg, who's typically, you know, a player's coach. You felt like this was a good match for him. Um, the one encouraging thing that I will say about Teddy is every camera shot last night, he was engaged. He was rooting his teammates on. He was encouraging his teammates he wasn't sitting there in the back of his chair pouting. He wasn't – I think – I guess my point is it was message received. And I think Coach Beeline brought up a, a good um, point last night on the TV broadcast. And, man, is it interesting listen to that guy do games. And not because of his, um, you know, his announcing prowess, but he's such a good coach. And to hear him kind of talk about games as they unfold from an offensive standpoint specifically was really interesting. Um, but anyway, it was that was encouraging to see and to hear Coach Beeline talk about, you know, sometimes as a coach, you never want to air out your laundry, but at the same time, you have to make your point proven. And, and I think in this case, it was necessary with Teddy. So I, I definitely think, you know, it's something to keep an eye on. But I also think Teddy is at a point in his career now where he knows what type of opportunity Nebraska gave him. And he knows what type of opportunity he has here to kind of write his past. So is it worrisome? I, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to say that it isn't, but I, I'm also not going to lose sleep over it either. I feel like Coach Hoiberg is you know, pretty transparent, uh, at least to the, TV, to the TV guys anyhow, uh, about what type of situation this was, and we can expect him back in their next game. But I, I do think it's something worth paying attention to. 8.30, late one tomorrow night. Huskers and the Badgers pregame coverage with Jake and Kent comes your way at 7.30 tomorrow night. Buckle up and put the phone down. That's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. We've not been with you for nearly a week. It was last Wednesday, our last show. So we missed a lot of news as it relates to Husker football, including the releasing of their schedule for next fall. And there are some differences in there. They, they have moved the Ohio State game from... Uh, it was going to be a game in early October to November the 6th. They also uh, bring Purdue here in the original 2021 schedule. The Huskers were supposed to go to Purdue, but because they tweaked the 2020 schedule because of COVID, Nebraska made back-to-back -back visits to Ross-Aid Stadium. So the Boilers will be in Lincoln on the 30th of October. And the Wisconsin game gets flipped. It was supposed to be in Lincoln in 2021. It will now be in Madison on November the 20th. In fact, it'll be the next to last game. And the last bit that gets tweaked is that the Iowa game is now back on Black Friday. It was supposed to be Minnesota to wrap up this year. Um, so there's the new Big Ten schedule for the Cornhuskers. Nebraska also has non-conference games scheduled with Buffalo, Oklahoma, and Southeast Louisiana. That Southeast Louisiana game is right now scheduled for November the 13th. As the Big Ten released it last Friday, Ben, they still have Nebraska playing Illinois in Dublin, Ireland. I don't think that game's going to happen in Dublin. I think it's going to get moved to Champaign. So then you wonder, do you play Week Zero? on August 28th, or do you back that up into September and play them in September? I think there's still some things that are going to get ironed out with this schedule, but what do you make of the tweaks to the football schedule for the fall? Yeah, and then this this is going to shock some people hearing this coming out of my mouth, but I, th I think it makes a lot of sense. I think there wasn't a, a single thing that um, that was changed on the schedule that you couldn't have anticipated or you couldn't have seen coming. 
Um, and that's positive. And I'm with you. I, I think that Ireland thing, the, uh, you know, the later that this thing goes with no major movement in the positive direction kind of leads you to believe that it's probably not going to happen, at least this year. I hope that it's something that, you know, they continue to look at, you know, maybe, uh, you know, in two years, four years, however they block it off. I, I do. I, I know they were excited about Nebraska being a part of that thing. The Aer Lingus people. I mean, I was there at that press conference and I, t- I talked to the guy that organized it all and they were jacked to have Nebraska a part of it. Um, but at the same time, you, you want it worthwhile to your fans. You want it worthwhile to your program too. So you don't want to diminish the experience by kind of throwing a snowball, you know, something together and, and hoping that it, it works out. But yeah, I think the the schedule as it sits right now, I think you know getting Iowa back there at the end of the year is awesome. I think it's exactly what our fans want, and getting those games flipped to, to where we've got a more, um, I guess, predictable home and away with in division opponents uh, was necessary too. Let's get that straightened out and you know just start hopefully getting things back to normal. It's going to be odd because the home games as it sits right now, and again there may be a tweak or two. The home schedule is going to be back-loaded. Nebraska is going to play four of their last five games of the 2021 season at home. Purdue on October 30th, Ohio State November 6th, Southeast Louisiana on November 13th, and then Iowa on Black Friday with the only road game in that last five-game stretch at Wisconsin. But you don't have any home games early. You have the Buffalo game in September. You have then two early October games back-to-back with Northwestern and Michigan. So you're by the time you get to Halloween weekend, which is when you have Purdue at home, you will have only played three home games. It will be really odd. Uh, a lot of years you play most of your home games in September and early October, and you have one or two sprinkled at the end. This will be the exact opposite. Four of the last five games of this schedule are going to be at home. That's going to be different for people to get used to. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. I think it's always good to play in Memorial Stadium, and maybe late's better. It's just odd that that's kind of how how it's going to be this past year. If COVID hadn't happened, Ben, we would have had five home games by early October. It was the exact opposite this past year. Now we're going to have four of the last five at home in 2021. Yeah, I mean, and let's hope that it's a – you know, th- that that this is noticeable because, you know, as you're walking through last year, to really to only you, it mattered home or away. It didn't matter to me. Yeah. didn't matter to any of the fan. didn't matter to anybody if they were home or away. So let's hope that this does matter. And, you know, we're not, you know, figuring out, you know, how our team is or what type of the, a fan structure it's going to be and all that. Let's let's hope that it is just normal and fans are going to get some games at the end of the year. I think – they they don't care when when the home games are at this point after going through last year that you know they they're just going to be happy to get into the stadium. Let's hope that you know the vaccines are out and you know this this thing kind of at least dissipates enough to a point where people can come watch this team play. One of my worries is it's you're going to have to generate your momentum for the season away from home. In a lot mm-hmm. of cases, you're not going to have that home crowd to get you over the hump in some games to get the momentum of your season. I don't know that I like that. That's the way it's going to be. I, if you do generate some momentum early and you can get some wins and knowing you have all those home games at the end, I like that. But you're going to have to generate. You're going to have to go to Michigan State and try to get a road win. You're going to have to try to go where, wherever the Illinois game falls in. If it's in Dublin, great. If it's in Champaign, you're going to have to try to win there to get some momentum going so that you can have something to really fight for in November when you have that glut of home games late in the year. Also, there were some announcements about some hiring of some analysts and some new player development. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald has written all about it, done a deep dive into the three names that were announced yesterday by Scott Frost. We're going to get to Evan coming up here in just a little bit. We're back, Sports Island, here on a Tuesday night. We have a text line now brought to you by U.S. Cellular. Proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Oscars. U.S. Cellular connecting Husker Nation. 531-500-4686 is a number to fire off a text. We're delighted to be joined now by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Evening, Evan. Have you had dinner yet? Hey, Greg. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was decent shrimp taco night at my house. So uh, good. Yeah, it was good because you know t- it runs as temperature Tuesday, and they're they're like free today. I mean, this that's yeah. a beautiful thing. You know that actually that was my lunch today, and uh, did you? I, I don't know if you've seen some of the some of the there. Uh, you know these deals are backing up traffic around Lincoln. I think a couple <laughs> of the Runzas have had waits. Yeah. In the drive throughout to the intersection, so watch out if you're going by a Runza. 
Yeah, I heard the one on Highway 2 that the police are there directing traffic. Crazy stuff. So, yeah, I love, <laughs> love Temperature Tuesday. Well, good for you. Uh, hey, good story. Evan's got a good piece up there about, about the Huskers adding three football staffers to Scott Frost. And I think, Evan, the biggest name is Bill Bush. Um, your thoughts about Bill coming back, and why did the Pender product want to come back to Lincoln in your eyes? Yeah, it's it's a it's a significant hire. Um, like you mentioned, he has some Nebraska ties. He's he's already had two different stints at Nebraska. I think most fans remember him from being an assistant under Bill Callahan, 04 to 07. He was the special teams coordinator, safeties coach, and um, you know it's funny. I've had a number of people ask me, "Well, can he can he go out and recruit?" Right, because of of his reputation mm-hmm. as a recruiter, helping bring Alex Smith to Utah, helping bring Joe Burrow to LSU. Prince of Mukamara to Nebraska, along with guys like Eric Hag and Zach Bowman, you know, guys who eventually played in the league. So he has a certainly has a reputation there. And, you know, he, he obviously can't go on the road recruiting as an analyst, but, you know, those guys do work behind the scenes and they can do some things. I mean, Jonathan Rutledge last year, the special teams analyst, was instrumental in getting Connor Colt to Nebraska. So it's not like they, they have no effect, um, you know, on, on the recruiting trail and things like that. But he's a guy who gets it. I mean, he, he understands the Nebraska program, uh, the fan base, kind of the what's important um, with the Husker tradition. And I think all those things are important. And, um, you know, it, it, I think in the bigger picture, it just kind of continues this trend in college football where programs are, uh, you know, college programs are opening the door for uh, – guys maybe from other programs or from the NFL um, where they can come in and just lend some expertise without maybe the daily grind of, of worrying about recruiting or whatever else it might be. And so it, and it I think it even adds to it for a school like Nebraska where, you know, Bill Bush was let go by LSU. And so he's still getting paid by that school for another year. And so Nebraska can uh, really afford to, to pay him almost nothing. And then that, that comes out of the LSU uh, portion of his contract. So it's a, Certainly a win-win for Nebraska. He's got a lot of uh, experience on the defensive side of the ball. And as we saw with uh, Bill McGovern last year, who's now with the Chicago Bears as their inside linebackers coach, um, you know, these guys can have an impact behind the scenes, even though uh, we may not talk to them much and they may not have much of a public uh, kind of persona. Um, These guys definitely do make a difference behind the scenes. They're an extra set of eyes, I think, and that you can't have too many of those. And but he's defense, right? He's not the special teams guy that Scott Frost has been asked about, correct? That's right. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy who I, I thought, and I think a number of people thought maybe Nebraska would go after him as a special teams on-field coordinator type. And uh, my understanding is he's not. That's not part of his role. It is defense, and so you wonder whether that means Nebraska still is in the market for a special teams analysts, the way that uh, it, it worked with Jonathan Rutledge last year, um, or if they're still maybe going to do some reassigning of the roles. I think Mike Dawson would be that guy, the, kind of the, the choice on paper if they were to reassign some things, given he has history coordinating special teams too. So I uh, don't really know how that's going to shake out yet for Nebraska. They certainly have some options, but uh you know, a guy like Bill Bush, again, with, with uh, kind of the, the versatile background that he has, defense, special teams all over the place, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a win for Nebraska, I, I think, no matter how you shake it. Again, we're visiting with Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. You can read his work online at omaha.com. He's got a piece up now about the three football staff additions that Scott Frost mm-hmm. announced yesterday, Bill, Bill Bush being one of them, a defensive analyst. Keenan Lowe is the offensive analyst. What can you tell us about Keenan Lowe? Yeah, Keenan Lowe uh, played at Oregon uh, under Chip Kelly and, and when Scott Frost and Matt Lubrick were there. So they all have a pretty uh, you know, intimate understanding of who he is and what he brings. He was a uh, fairly successful receiver for them in the early 2010s. Um, and then just kind of reading some – on him over the years, it really sounded like he was a guy who made his bones on special teams. People liked his toughness. People liked, uh, you know, he was the guy blowing up wedges. He was the guy uh, kind of bringing everybody else along. And then, uh, you know, he, he had just some other stints as a high school coach. He had a little time in the NFL. So pretty diverse background. Um, I think given his age, he's the kind of guy who you wouldn't be surprised uh, to see as an on-field coach somewhere in the next few years. And so, you know, that's just kind of how it works in in college football when you're, you know, kind of rising through the ranks. Um, you know, he, he was with 
Chip Kelly at U, uh, UCLA last year, got a little experience there. Um, and now he's at Nebraska. So, um, yeah, I think it's a guy that, that, again, you probably would imagine will move on to some uh, more prominent roles in his career sooner than later. But right now he can come in and offer some expertise. And then I think the, the more casual fans might remember him uh, for his feature. I think it was on ESPN's College Game Day and, and on a lot of national uh, shows for how he helped prevent a school shooting in the Portland area a few years ago, uh, disarming a student and 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 kind of talking him down and, and uh, diffusing what could have been a potentially deadly situation. So uh, obviously someone who's got some high character in that regard too. And, uh, you know, now he's, now he's in Nebraska. So again, like, like you said, another set of eyes to kind of look things over on offense. This is a guy who has played in the Scott Frost, Chip Kelly, Matt Lubick offense. And now uh, he's going to be someone kind of adding uh, another opinion and maybe another kind of proof on uh, what Nebraska wants to do this season. Evan, there was a lot made of, and I know when you had your sit-down with the head coach a few weeks ago, you talked about Ron Brown's role changing in Nebraska. He had been the director of player development. They're, they're shifting him to a different kind of a role within the football department, maybe even the athletic department. So his position has now been filled with Marcus Castro-Walker. What should we know about Marcus Castro-Walker? Yeah, you know, I think this is a position that's uh, kind of underrated on college football programs anywhere, um, and, and certainly at Nebraska, too. I mean, he comes in with some experience in a similar role at Arizona State. Uh, he had a couple of stints there uh, with the Sun Devils fairly recently. He was with Scott Frost at UCF in 2016. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who will be tasked with really immersing himself in the life of a student athlete, whether that's housing, whether that's academics. Um, you know, this is somebody who, who uh, will help get – players plugged into the community will help, uh, you know, check in on them if they need checking in on who can um, just suggest different little tips for them as, as a lot of these guys come in from all over the country and it might be an adjustment with the weather, the culture, who knows what it might be. And this, this is a guy who, uh, who Nebraska will expect to relate to kids of all kinds of different backgrounds. And, you know, I think it becomes a position like this, becomes even more important in this era of the transfer portal. Honestly, when guys are able to leave uh, quickly, they don't need their coach's permission. They can, And if there's going to be a, a passage of this one-time transfer rule, uh, all the more so. So, you know, you look at what Nebraska went through in 2020 um, with the pandemic, with five signees, scholarship signees from Florida moving on. Um, and Scott Frost told us at the time, this move is, is partially in response to that into the transfer portal and this idea that now more than ever colleges feel the urgency to really get these guys plugged in, settled in uh, right away. So you don't start to encounter, um, you know, stuff that can happen when you move a long way away from home. Um, you know, you don't isolate, you don't get lonely, whatever it might be. Um, Marcus Castro Walker is going to be that guy who's going to really help walk alongside these players and, and uh, you know, just help them to, to figure out what life in Lincoln's all about. Life as a Husker is all about and hopefully, um, you know, keep these guys around and happy for a number of years here in uh, here in Lincoln. Yeah, I can't imagine weather would be hard to get used to in Lincoln these days. It's crazy right now. <laughs> Evan Bland is with us from the Omaha World Herald. Again, you can read his fine piece about these additions to Scott Frost's staff at Omaha.com. Evan also doubles up as the the beat writer for Husker baseball. Will Bolt said you, he he gave you permission to reveal the schedule tonight, Evan. So what, what do you got? What do you got on this Big Ten schedule coming up? <laughs> Well, first of all, it's it's depressing, is it not, Greg, that uh, there are scheduled college baseball games for ten days from ten now, days, or different parts ten. of the country, a week a week from Friday. I mean, that, there is are going you, to be real games that count. Is it like UNO uh, playing? I think UNO plays next Friday. Yes, they do. Yep, they yeah. do. And and Creighton has its schedule, I think, for the week after that. And so it's yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's a little depressing. Um, I, I still think that weekend is probably kind of that date that you look at. And then you look at what, what happened with softball today, with Big Ten softball coming out, and, and maybe you can kind of see a little bit of a preview of what the template might look like. Um, games on Friday and Sunday with doubleheaders on Saturday, maybe a couple weekends uh, at a neutral site with a number of Big Ten teams. Um, so it, their, their format's a little bit different because I think they have uh, the full 14 teams in the Big Ten for softball. 
Um, and, and the format of the game is just a little bit different than baseball, but I think you probably got a peek at that. And then, you know, unfortunately, no Big Ten softball tournament. It probably is trending that the Big Ten baseball tournament's not going to happen in Omaha this year. Not official, but it, it sure looks that way, um, which would be a bummer, I think, for, for fans locally, certainly. And, yep. uh, you know, it's <laughs> – we saw it with basketball, with the Big Ten uh, putting out their schedule, I think, about a week before that started. Um, you know, softball came out now 17 days before they start. So if, if uh, you know, the math checks out on that and it really is the first weekend in March, we might still be another week or two away, if you can believe it, from an official schedule. I mean, but again, it's the Big Ten. For all I know, they could pop it out tonight at, uh, you know, 825. Who, who knows? But uh, it sure would be nice to kind of see what that roadmap's going to look like for the Huskers this year. This league has been baffling, Evan, over the last six months. I, I got to tell you, I just, I just I, some of the decisions have just been really head-scratching. And, and, and I feel so bad for the ball bat sports because they had their, their year last year interrupted where – you know, the other sports, really, basketball basically got through their year. I know the NCAA tournament got canceled, and football had a, a janky fall this year. But uh, this going to be two straight years. The ball bat sports have certainly been affected by this. Do you think how, – how much do you think this may penalize the Big Ten when it comes time to pick the, the field for the College World Series tournament? Do you think that the Big Ten will be penalized by the committee, or is it too early to, to, get, to guess on that? I think the margin for error is going to go way down, uh, or I guess it's going to skew for the Big Ten, right? Because you just look at every year, and, and Nebraska's in the same boat. When you go on the road for three weeks to start the year, if you win one game on the road against Baylor or Arizona State the way Nebraska did, even if you win one out of three on the road against a team like that, that weighs more in your favor for RPI purposes than sweeping a bad team at home would. And so – that really, in a year, in a typical year, you know, Nebraska could maybe afford to lose an occasional conference series uh, to to a team in the bottom bottom half of the standings because of that preseason or early season resume. But now, to separate yourself in the standings in the Big Ten, because if you're you know part of the pack of six or seven or or so teams hovering around 500. There's no other tool or basis by which the NCAA selection committee is really going to allow you to stand out. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be all about the wins this year. Win ugly, win pretty. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. Um, and it's kind of a shame because the Big Ten has really grown its, its national profile in the last handful of years. They had five bids last year, which tied the most they've ever had. Michigan goes to the College World Series final, and, and so the league has really been making strides. And, and it just seems like with this decision to go conference only, when every other major league uh, is going to allow non-conference games, it really does handicap your uh, your teams. And uh, you know, it's in the in in the name of safety and maybe in the name of cost containment. But when you just look at it to make this thing work, you wonder why that can't be the case in the Big Ten. A lot of Oscar fans feel the same way. They just don't quite get it. It has been a four or five bid league for a while. We'll see if that holds up when the bids come out in late. Late May. Evan, always good to catch up. Uh, great piece on the new football uh, hires by Scott Frost, and we'll be in touch. Maybe, maybe, maybe the next time we have you on, we'll, we'll actually know the baseball schedule. That'd be something, wouldn't it? I would love that, Greg. Sounds great. <laughs> Stay warm. This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Back row roll shot from Pritchard. Again, Nebraska dictating it by two. Caffey in the middle. Kaboom! Woo-hoo! Kayla Caffey, welcome to Lincoln. It's 10-7, Nebraska. With Husker head volleyball coach, John Cook. Line drive serve to Lexi. Perfect pass right side. Riley Zoon. Kaboom! Woo-hoo! The Riley Zoon Show continues. The Nebraska Radio Volleyball Show is presented by Sarter Heyman Jewelers, your Husker Jewelry Headquarters. Sarter Heyman, the official jeweler of Husker Athletics at SarterHeyman.com. Now, here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, Lauren Cook. Good evening, Husker Nation, and welcome into the weekly Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show presented to you by U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular Connecting Husker Nation. And buckle up and put the phone down. A reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I'm Lauren Cook-West, your host for the night, and no worries, JB will be back with you all next week. Uh, And, of course, joining me tonight and every Tuesday night from 7 to 8, head 
volleyball coach for the Nebraska Cornhuskers, John Cook, and uh, you're looking a little more like Mike Gundy. You kind of need a haircut. I don't know why you say that, Lauren, <laughs> but now that you told me, I've got a haircut appointment <laughs> later this week. So Thank goodness. I was watching your presser today, and I, it, it just your hair looked a little long, and I did, you must have just walked in from the... You know, parking out. your car and your hair was all messy. I was outside. There was no parking spots. The wind was blowing. So, you know, I was just a little, little ruffled up, I guess. The real question is, how is practice today? Because that's going to tell us what kind of mood you're in for the show tonight. <laughs> Tuesdays are always uh, – they're a, they're a uh, challenging day for us. We, we, we work a lot on us. We look, put them in a lot of hard drills. It's probably the hardest – hardest uh, day of the week for training and uh, I thought the Huskers did they've done really well on Tuesdays they competed really hard today we we definitely did some really well on parts of practice and um, there was parts of practice they failed on or you know didn't have as much success but we we try to make it really hard on them on Tuesdays so you're in a decent mood decent mood yeah okay decent mood we'll, we'll go with that so tell us you had a press conference today. You obviously had practice. Tell us what a, what a day looks like for you when you wake up in the morning and then until you go to bed tonight. Just just lay out what a day in the life of Coach Cook looks like. Well, first of all, I woke up today so excited that I get to do radio with you, and I thought Madden would be here, but... <clears throat> she is. I know, but she's not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to hold her while you're on the air? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't wait till the show's over so I can get to hold her. Oh, jeez. Um... Let's see. Uh, Tuesdays, uh, I wa worked out on the bike this morning watching Rutgers. And uh, is that what you want, kind of the day? Yeah, yeah. And give, me, then, give me the exact time you woke up. Are you, oh, are you an early bird? Uh, I woke up at 6 today. Okay. So uh, worked out on the bike, watched Rutgers on my laptop, sent texts, sent emails, uh, stuff preparing for the day. And then uh, we, have to, we had to go in and get tested at uh, 10.30. Uh, our daily testing and then from there I had video with a few players um, uh, so I prepare when when they come in for video we prepare I prepare a sheet of things I want to show them so it's time-coded and so we go through it with notes and then I give them kind of the mantras or things we want to work on this week so I write it out and give it to them so uh, did that what were can I just ask you what were some of the mantras for the week uh, anything specific you're well, working on? For Lexi, it was uh, aggressive, um, strong legs on passing. Uh, let's see, for Maddie, it was uh, tool high line as one of them. She did that a couple times this uh -huh. past weekend. Keep thumping her serve. So uh, those were a couple today. I think I, I had Riley today. Um, Riley was make, make, make the... Uh, a really big block moves, which she can do. You know, we're trying to get her the mindset. She can, she can block every, she needs to make those hitters think she can block every one of their shots. So she's she really can. embracing that. It's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so those are some of the things we do, but then we just, we go through good plays, bad plays and look at it, video in slow-mo and it's, it's pretty cool. And then, uh, I wrote out practice and then met with, uh, um, our, coaches and and grad managers and Lindsay and kelly and everybody and uh, then go to practice and then afterward debrief after practice we talk about things talk to some players uh and then uh, got home and now i'm doing radio and then you'll watch video again uh -huh. and then i have a recruit i'm calling at, at 8 30 and um so and what time will you go to bed oh i usually go to bed at 11 okay uh, we already have a caller. Hmm. Look at that. So Charlie in the, Lincoln. Charlie, well, uh, this is the Charlie, Charlie that won the yeah. won the deal. And Charlie, I emailed you, yeah. but you want tickets, I and I never heard back. But, I, so we'll see did. what I, Charlie's I, got tonight. I'm sorry, I haven't seen the email. I was looking through. In fact, I was talking. I that answered the phone. Said, hey, I haven't heard anything. I'll have to look. Sorry, Coach. My gosh, I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> I must. I, it's supposed to be in the spam folder. But anyhow, Charlie well, the, we just, yeah. anyhow, um, Lauren, I have to ask or say to you, um, I really appreciate your conversations with the cooks. Thank I think you. you do such a good job. Thank and, you so much. Uh, well, Coach, you do a good job also, of course, you know. Um, but anyhow, uh, my, then I know last some 
place we're talking about music between points. I know that was done a little bit, but I know we normally don't. But so many places are starting to do this more and more. I hope, to, I hope, I hope, I hope we never do that when we actually have eight thousand at Devaney because that's I hate that with a passion. Because I have to have Charlie's time to against go big the music. Are, Charlie, oh. are you against crowd noise or just music in between points? Mostly about the music between points. I mean, the crowd noise thing, that's tough. When we get 8,000, we will not be doing that. (laughs) Um, Thank you. Thank you, Coach. And we we tried the crowd noise, and it just sounded so fake and artificial that we punted it. Lindsay and I both, they did a test run with us, and it just, I don't know, it was almost annoying. Like, you know, you're trying to. You know, I think I've I seen on movies like the guys in prison, you know, they're trying to get them to crack, so they play music to make them go out of their minds. That's what it felt like. So we decided to create some energy and some uh, noise and then uh, to drown out coaches talking on the benches because I guess the microphones were picking everything up that everybody was saying. So, uh, so anyway, that's why we're playing the music in between. But as soon as we get fans back, you know, that's gone. Adios. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Charlie. Okay. Uh, Does Charlie want tickets or not? Yeah, he said he must have missed your email. I, I emailed him twice. Like, <laughs> dude, you want tickets? I'm, you know, I got to set them up. You know, these things go fast. I know. I'm sure plenty. I only of other... get four tickets. I know. Plenty of other people will take tickets. Uh, okay. What did you? Can we talk about our special guest for fr- that was Friday night? And uh, for my tickets. Oh yes, that's you should tell Husker Nation who the special guest was. So, well, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I don't know if I should say names. So I'll just, so, uh, Friday night, I got to, uh, give two of my tickets away to, uh, the doctor that delivered our first granddaughter, baby Madden. And she's a big Husker fan. And, um, she brought her, uh, 80 year old friend. Yes. Yeah. Seatmate who she's been yeah. sitting by at Husker volleyball matches for the past like 20 plus seasons. Yeah, those are just the stories that warm my heart. Incredible. And, yeah, and just makes Husker volleyball so special. And uh, anyway, it was just an honor to be able to. Uh, I have so much respect for baby doctors, you know. And um, I remember Janet Cruz, who I got to coach one year, and she was a great player, all American. She's also a baby doctor here in town. Oh. And um, she had huge hands, and I'd always kid her, like, because she said she wanted to be a doctor. And I said, well, you're going to be a baby doctor because look at those hands. You're just going to catch those babies coming out. (laughs) (laughs) So I think she does other stuff too. But uh, anyway, we have a lot of respect for for baby doctors. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised she was able, my doctor was able to stay all of Friday night because usually she's being called off to the hospital having to go deliver. I mean, they have no schedule whatsoever. It's just you go and you go. Yeah. So, okay, tell us, speaking of this weekend, just give me like one or two things that you and your team learned from the two matches against Maryland. Um, <clears throat> Friday night against Maryland, um, Maryland's much improved. Um, so they were a little tougher opponent than I think what our team's been used to. I think we're still feeling things out. Uh, and then Saturday we were much more relaxed, much more not thinking as much and uh, played uh, better. We didn't pass better because Maryland was serving really tough. Um, but we still did a lot of things really well, and, and uh, I, it just felt a lot better Saturday night. And again, it's our fourth match. We, you know, I think missing that Northwestern weekend really hurt us, and I think we were a little antsy or anxious having not played in two weeks. I mean, we're not used to that. So that was an adjustment. And then, you know, not having crowd noise and those things. It's just, it's our first home match. There's just, like I said, stuff messes with your mind and it's distracting and you're, you know, it just feels so much different than normal. So um, I was really glad to see us smooth it out Saturday night. Just a reminder, the Sports Nightly Hotline is brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse, and that hotline is 531-500-4686, and we are taking callers. So, Coach Cook, I reached out to Twitter because you know me. I love social media. Do you know Do you know Twitter personally? Or, oh. not? Sorry, not Twitter. I reached out to Husker fans on Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I should reword that. Okay. Uh, I reached out to my followers and I said, I'm going to be hosting the Nebraska Bible radio show. 
what questions do you all have oh, for Coach Cook? Here we and go. boom, I mean, my notifications lit up. So, how many followers do you have, Lauren? I, not that many. Okay. Not that many. You have more than me. Yeah. Uh, I want to get a green star or something. The girls keep asking me when nope. I get the green star. Or, Isn't it a green? Blue, oh, the green blue, blue check. check oh, it's a blue, blue check, check mark. Okay. Yeah, blue check. You should I guess have one. I, I know. I I think they tried to get me one, and I don't know what happened, but I guess you're really cool if you get one of those. So maybe you can talk, You're keep reaching out. Yeah. And see you should if I talk to, talk to, uh, open doors. Maybe they can help you out. Okay. Yeah. Like Lawrence open doors. Yeah. They're working with your team. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely ask him. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> fans have noticed, and I've also talked about it, but Nicklin's new setting techniques. So we're going to do a little bit of chalk talk. I want you to kind of explain in depth what we're looking for. If fans do watch Nicklin setting. What are some big changes that, that they can uh, pay attention to or look at or look for in the upcoming matches? Well, that's a really good question. And I don't, I don't think there's any, these, all these huge changes. There's, there's tweaks. So uh, really what we're trying to do is make her setting motion way more simple with less movement, being more relaxed, more calm, and um, uh, not uh, and letting uh, her natural ability in the ground be able to help her set. And <clears throat> Nicklin is a, a, a before that she would try to muscle things and jump through things, and so Tyler's training her and, and has done a really good job, and I, I, I've just seen incredible improvement, and we'll continue to see it each week that we play. But her tempo, her location, her ability to be not so predictable and be able to kind of fire the ball around like you did uh, when, when you played um, – but you have to have confidence to be able to do that, and you got to trust your hands, and, and there's a lot that goes into it. So those are the things that we're working on in a nutshell without getting too technical or anything like that. But it's really just trying to simplify and and calm her down uh, and, and make her more efficient. Uh, the fan that asked that was even saying he noticed that her tempo was quicker. Yeah. It's just – I mean, it doesn't surprise me because Husker Nation knows their volleyball. Yeah. But it's so impressive that they're <clears throat> able to catch on to that. Wow, that's yeah. that's is pretty impressive. I know. Yeah, so the, you guys have been working on tempo too. Yeah, with the, with hitters and with Nicklin. Yeah, the ball the the ball comes out of her hands better now because it's more efficient, and that's that's why they're seeing that. So that's a great great pickup by that by our fan super fan or caller uh, Twitter, Twitter Twitter follower Twitter follower. Okay. <laughs> Tonight, it's the Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Sam off the bounce, long jumper, good line drive with two seconds to go in the quarter. Sam Hybe gives Nebraska their biggest lead at nine as we go to quarter number two. Our weekly look inside Husker Women's Basketball. Delivers deep left side, Sam Hybe will tee up a three, you betcha, Sam Hybe with a big time triple. With the head coach, Amy Williams. Billiard foul line extended right side. Takes Ruby Porter off the bounce. Angles in. Blocked. KK blocked it. Into the hands of Hybe. Huskers running. Sam goes down the right lane line. Can't she finish? No, it was deflected. Cravens a rebound and puts it back. Bella Cravens has six. Big red blown at the Badgers by 20. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host, Matt Coatney. All right, the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show is underway with Coach Amy Williams. I'm Matt Coatney. We'll take your calls. We'll have Coach Williams for the full hour at 531-546-86, 531-546-86. And uh, I have, I, I don't know, Amy, you, you're in kind of the same age group I'm in. You remember Karnak the Magnificent, the uh, bit on the old Johnny Carson Tonight Show, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you are Karnak, you know, and I'm Ed, Ed McMahon. You know, I hand you the envelope, and you discern the answer before knowing the question. I asked you on your pregame show on Super Bowl Sunday who you thought would win the game, and you said you knew there were a lot of Kansas City Chiefs fans in the area, but you were going with Tampa, and I thought, well, that's, that's, that's nice that she picked that, but 
Kansas City's going to blow out Tampa. And then, whoa, look what happened. So are we going to do that tonight? You know, like the fucking Wagnalls, you know, mayonnaise jar. Am I going to hand you envelopes and you tell me what's going to happen in the future? Because I have, I have a lot of questions if we're going to do that, you know. <laughs> I wouldn't count on me for any of that, Matt, but I will say I'm not going against those Huskers, those, those Husker pro football guys. I'm not going against them oh, for sure. So. And uh, I don't know, Tom Brady maybe. Maybe the experience there might have something to do with it. I don't know. You know, I, I thought, you know, I, I asked you a lot of basketball-related questions, obviously, on the pregame show, but it seemed like the thing to ask. And you came up big, no question about it. Uh, so <laughs> this Husker team uh, returns home with a record of 9-7. and seven. They're 7-6 seven and six in the Big Ten. Tough, tough road trip with the losses at Penn State Thursday and at Rutgers on Sunday. But... The great news about basketball season is there's almost always another game. Iowa on Thursday night. Now, if your schedule says Wednesday, that's fine because that's what the original schedule said. It's COVID-19 time. Things change quickly. And so now Nebraska's hosting Iowa on Thursday at 7 p.m. Then Valentine's Day, they'll host Maryland Terrapins at 4 p.m. So, uh, this is the third time, Coach, that you've went to a region of the Big Ten and stayed there for two games. You did the Indiana trip where you played at the Hoosiers and then at Purdue, and then you went up to Michigan for the Wolverines and Michigan State. Now you went Penn State to Rutgers. You know, generally for for fans who don't understand how this works, you fly in the night before, you spend the day really around the hotel and at the arena, and then you fly back immediately after the game, but – you know, I'm not saying that you owe personal property taxes in New Jersey now, but you were there for a while. How how challenging has it been this season doing these back to back road trips? Yeah, I mean it's it's really tough, and I I um, I hesitate. We're not going to um, find any reason to complain because we're just so grateful to be uh, to be playing basketball and doing what we love to do. And and we know that there are teams on our campus that do this kind of stuff like regularly and and there are teams you know all over the country and and i know from my own experience when i used to coach um at south dakota and in the summit league you know that there were regular five-day road trips you know every other week or so and so um but i think this time of year and this time of season um to have that type of a, a five-day kind of road trip and have it be our third um such kind of five-day road trip it's just it's been a little bit of a challenge compared to what we're used to especially now that you know our kids have started school and they are you know trying to you know be gone for five days do their do their work stay on task with the classes and study halls and um, but also just, you know, this is kind of that um, grind the, of the season where, um, where you know, everybody kind of seems to, you know, have reasons to fatigue mentally and physically, and, and you want to really try to stay as fresh as you can. It's, it's a little bit bigger challenge on the road, but, um, you know, we were, we were blessed to have, um, you know, access to some cold tubs and, and recovery options and, you know, just trying to make the best of the situation. So Thursday night, you're taking on Penn State in uh, Happy Valley, and Izzy Bourne came back, and uh, I think uh, all of Husker Nation was happy about that. And you know, I think everybody understands I'm calling these games from from here in Lincoln. So you know, just kind of watching it from afar, she looked a, a little bit like a player that had some rust. I mean, you missed four games. You've got the you got the ankle injury, so you brought her off the bench. And, you know, initially my thought was that was more of a way to get her back in the flow a little easier than just running her out there off the tip for after she'd missed a few games. But then I saw Janisha Cash and that Penn State had been bringing her off the bench. So was not starting Izzy against Penn State as much about her ankle or was it about Janisha Cash or, or what was that about? Yeah, it was really just about kind of Izzy's ankle and having missed three weeks and trying to give her an opportunity to kind of ease back in and trying to, you know, create somewhat of a flow for our team with, you know, like um, rotations and responsibilities and things like that and ease her back into some things. And, you know, we were really hoping to kind of be able to, 
uh, to limit, you know, her as we're working her back into the fold. And, um, you know, to some degree, we did that. I think, you know, uh, you're right. It was great. It felt so great for, for me and our staff just to have her back in the rotation, being able to, you know, play minutes at the four, play minutes at the three, do whatever it was that our team needed her to do. And, um, you know, she's still, you know, coming in her first game back, you know, had nine rebounds in that ball game, you know, it's finding ways, you know, but I think really it's going to take just a little time for her to kind of uh, be 100% and to be able to have the, you know, the lift and kind of um, timing and everything that she had before she missed three weeks. You know, that was a really competitive game. If you didn't have a dog in the fight, that was a fun game to watch. Penn State had the lead by nine in that third quarter, but then your team overcomes that, you know, makes up a 13-point switch with a four-point lead in the fourth quarter, but free throws. I mean, my goodness. Uh, the Lady Lions shot 20 more free throw attempts, and uh, your team got outscored by 22 at the line. I, it, it's it's kind of hard to win a game if you're minus 22 at the free throw line on the road, isn't it? Yes, I mean, very hard. And we talked about that a lot as a team and, and, you know, the kind of things that need to happen to go on the road to get wins. And we did not do that. And I think, you know, when I look back and watch the game film, it was way too many offensive rebounds that we gave to to them. Um, And then we had to foul um, on putback opportunities and things like that. I mean, obviously, um, down the stretch, we, we fouled a few times to try to stop the clock and, and gave them some some late free throw attempts. But I think um, even without that, um, there was a pretty pretty big disparity um, from the free throw line. And, and you know, we're, we're just understanding and know that we can't uh, we can't foul, uh, you know, that much, give them that many points from the free throw line, and, and we left quite a few out there ourselves. Visiting with Amy Williams on the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show. We'll take your calls at 531-500-4686 on the Sports Nightly Hotline. It's brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Uh, Your team's went through a stretch of seven out of eight games in which you held your opponent below 70 points. Then you go on the road, and in the last two games, you've given up at least 78. Um, Is that more of a factor of playing on the road? Is it matchups, accommodation issues? What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit of all of that, Matt. You know, I think, you know, our team knows that, you know, we've said it in almost um, each of our losses that, you know, uh, each time we look at our point totals and we say, you know, guys, that's that's got to be enough in order for us to have success and be successful. And, um, you know, so I think, you know, uh, there's a combination of, of both of those things, you know, when you're on the road, I think, um, you know, we've had just, you know, some of the same unique things that, um, that a lot of people have had throughout this season, um, probably more than any other, but, you know, when you are um, going through a season where it's like, okay, Today and this week, we have uh, these players available to us, okay? And then, uh, you know, next week, these kids are available to us. And, you know, due to injury or whatever it might be, when your rotations change and you start even bringing more people into the fold, it just kind of changes the way you're using people. It changes some of the things, you know, when we're playing Izzy Bourne, you know, the majority of her minutes at the wing position, then it's kind of like we start to get into a little bit of a flow of knowing what um, kinds of things, you know, to expect from our team, both offensively and defensively with her there. And then when she was gone, then it was like we had to make an adjustment and there's an adjustment period. And then you you figure out how, you know, your team needs to, what, what we need to run offensively, what we need to, you know, commit to defensively to have success. And then as soon as you start getting used to that, then, you know, things shift again. And so there's a, a lot of adjusting that goes on. I think that in combination to with being on the road in combination with you know playing a team like um you know Penn State that um that you know there's some matchup uh issues and and things there they they just present a lot of uh quality shooters and then you know tough matchup you know with a really 
quick and athletic post player um, that that exploited some things against us. And then, um, you know, then you play a Rutgers team who who hadn't played in four or five weeks. And, you know, so you have really no you're kind of going in almost a little blind with what are what have they been working on for the last month and a half? What are they putting in? What kind of defensive schemes are they looking at? You know, whatever it might be. And and so, uh, you know, I just think it's. I, there's just a combination of things that just kind of, you know, we need to overcome and do a better job of um, handling on this past road trip. And, um, you know, we're, I'm really hoping we can learn from the experience and, and just uh, uh, keep getting better. Uh, so the Huskers fell at Penn State last Thursday night, 85-74, and you get another chance at Penn State in Lincoln uh, just four games from now. They'll be at PBA on February the 21st. So, then you head over to New Jersey to face Rutgers, and I have to be honest with you. Um, I have missed traveling with you guys this year. I have never been on a bus from uh, Happy Valley to New Brunswick. Uh, I was looking at it. I have to imagine you went through the Poconos, maybe Allentown. Have you ever driven through there prior to uh, last Friday morning, Amy? I had not. That was a first for me. So, um, yeah, that was most definitely kind of a first time traveling, you know, in that area and and just, um, you know, kind of driving through. And, and to be honest with you, you know, it's not uh, it's not terrible for our team to have some opportunities, kind of bond on the bus a little bit and, and have that team uh, time. I miss that from, you know, 100 years ago. Uh, we used to play a lot of games, but there's no way I wouldn't have got my phone and turned it on and probably asked the bus driver to give me a microphone so I could sing that classic Billy Joel song, Allentown, when we were going through there. And maybe you and me, maybe Tom Gailey would have known that song. That's about it. You were pretty young even when that – I was in high school when that song came up. But, there's, I mean, there's no – I've never been to Allentown, Pennsylvania. I would have well, – I'd have been busting that, that out. I know you've been involved with some of our, uh, you know, bus karaoke uh, oh, yeah. microphone uh, renditions and stuff, but it's all about song selection there. And I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure if the girls would have. Uh, I might have got booed off the bus. Of... Could... Yeah. <laughs> I might have. I don't know. Uh, so, so you head over to Rutgers, and as you noted, the Scarlet Knights hadn't played in 36 days, and they had just canceled uh, their game against Indiana on that Thursday. I got to be honest with you, I got up on Sunday going, is this going to get played or not, which has got to be tough for you. Uh, interestingly, their last game was against Nebraska on January the 3rd. I, I, I've i never, ever seen that before where you play back-to-back games in the regular season against the same team. So, I mean, as, as, a, as a coaching staff, did that make a – Harder to scout, easier to scout. You guys had to be confused on even who was going to run out there, weren't you? Yeah, we were. I mean, we were really kind of feeling like just going in blind, which is such a unique thing for a, a game this late in the season to be. Oh, yeah. Um, to be, you know, kind of heading in in that situation, and and um, you know, so yeah, it made it very difficult to uh, to I thought um, to really kind of plan, and and clearly, you know, they've been doing something right. They had three kids play forty minutes, and and one kid play thirty eight minutes. You know, to have them yeah. ready to go at that level by the time you know in their first game out after 30 some days off they they've clearly been you know doing the right things to keep their kids you know conditioned and and um ready to play and and do what they need to do but um but yeah it was uh just not really certain you know who was causing the problems of why they couldn't play at indiana uh, a couple days before our game and um you know and and who was going to be available for them and and just being prepared for anything Rutgers leads the nation in steals per game at 15. They also uh, lead the nation in turnover margin at 9.3. Not a surprise. Vivian Stringer's teams, I mean, she's famous for a defense called the 55 defense. And it's hard to simulate in practice, even if you're in your own practice gym and you have everybody, managers, practice players available. I have to think it's awfully hard to simulate that when you're on the road on a two-game road trip, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And I thought, you know, the one thing they played some of that 55 full court defense really, you know, trapping and, you know, and then they played, 
you know, quite a bit of three-quarter court kind of, mm-hmm. you know, just wait until you cross half court and then trap you, um, which is not something that they played against us at our place the first time around. And, uh, you know, they had shown uh, quite a bit, you know, early in the season. But, you know, um, then they, you know, would mix it up and play a little bit of, you know, half-court matchup zone and, and some half-court man and, you know, just a lot of different wrinkles and things just mixing their defenses, I think, that uh, caused us as much uh trouble as just you know kind of the overpowering was just kind of changing things up and keeping um things off kilter and and not really you know quite knowing you know what to expect out of them this is the nebraska women's basketball radio hour that's amy williams i'm matt coatney you can call on uh, the Woodhouse Auto family, or you can text on the U.S. Cellular text line, 531-500-4686. It's brought to you by U.S. Cellular, proud to be the official wireless sponsor of the Huskers, U.S. Cellular, connecting Husker Nation. When we return, we'll continue our uh, review of the Huskers East Coast trip preview what's coming up this week, two games at Pinnacle Bank Arena. 